Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. So it's far enough into the new year that you probably have an idea about your taxes. I mean, when this comes out, you're about a month away from from tax uh, season, tax month, day, I don't know. In the U.S.? Uh, it's in the U.S., yeah. It's probably a good time to start thinking about your longer-term financial goals. Whether you are trying to get out of massive student loan debt, hey, hey, or you're considering buying a vacation home, really? You should probably be periodically looking at your finances and figuring out how to optimize them. In this episode, we're going to discuss some things you should be adjusting in your financial situation in the new year, uh, or really any time. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I went to my parents' house uh, over the weekend, and my dad had a whole bunch of work to do out in the greenhouses. And so I ended up helping him. Oh, fun. And yeah. So like, you know, you got the beds where you put the trays, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the plants and stuff. And you have a wire mesh underneath that. And I yep. had to replace two, 300 foot runs of that. Oh, nice. That sounds like so much not fun. Yeah. And, you know, it was like sleeting when we, we pull up and, you know, just, freezing cold outside then you go in the greenhouse and you have to like you know ditch layers because it's you're moving heavy stuff and it's hot and then you got to put them back on and go outside and just back and forth so uh for the most part it didn't hurt me too bad except for like the the bales of like big heavy wire that probably Mm -hmm. they weigh like 90 pounds you put it up on the bench and then you got to like clip uh you know with wire cutters because it's kind of tied together and like twisting at weird angles and holding one of those up, you know, my body told me the next morning that, Hey dude, you're not 25 (laughs) (laughs) rather profoundly. So that was, that was pretty good. But I was out there for, I think I worked with him for five or six hours on all that. And, you know, helping my uh, brother-in-law and sister with their new fence that attaches to the fence that I helped dad build in like 1993. And, Thankfully, it was just like measuring and leveling stuff and marking it off. I didn't have to like do the work this time because I knew to dodge. Um, <laughs> so, so that was that was pretty cool. Other than that, I've been trying to work on another book. I think I've mentioned that before. It looked like I was going to have some time to really uh, buckle down on that this week because I haven't been able to for the last couple of weeks because of work. But I have some contract work that has come in. So I'm going to deal with that first. So yeah, it's just this time of year is like this. So how about you? I am texting my girlfriend to tell her not to call me while recording. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) She she called right when you were talking. I think I got it before it picked up, but yeah, uh, I didn't ever hear it. So yeah, if if you guys heard some Tom Petty uh, playing, it was, it was her calling. Uh, That's her ringtone. So Little story about her. She has found a friend at church to be her roommate. And then Saturday, she was at a small group talking about it. And one of the other girls, um, actually the one who designed our tattoos, was talking about she and her roommate, like future roommate, were looking at places. And they were like, we should get together and see if they want to rent a house, like a four bedroom house. And so they found one that's four bed, four bath that they were going to go look at. So she was probably calling to tell me about it, trying to catch me before we started. But uh, eh, not quite. Uh, All right. She wants me to call her between the podcast and the aftercast, if you can. (laughs) (laughs) She knows my schedule. So anyway, I have some great news. I reached my first goal for fundraising for the mission trip. That The goal was 65% of the total was due yesterday. Both Amanda and I hit that amount for our respective mission trips. Uh, so we, I, I just want to say thank you to everyone who donated. I know that I had a few listeners who donated and we had a few anonymous donors. So, you know, also thank you. 
I only have about $950 left to raise for the trip. So I'm very excited. Uh, has That has to be in by April 1st. So I'm confident I can get that. And if not, then I have the money to, you know, get myself the rest of the way there if I have to. But I know like I have some family members who said they're going to donate who haven't yet. And then we've got some more fundraiser things that we're doing with the church. So. And I forgot to do it till today. So yeah, so that's coming in too. So, you know, there's, there's all sorts of stuff so you, coming in. You're better off than um, you think. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, there's, um, there'll be a link in the show notes if you guys want to donate again. Thank you for everyone who has, I really do appreciate it. Uh, in exciting news, my birthday is tomorrow. That's not the exciting news. Uh, you know, yeah, 40 is a cool birthday, I suppose. I mean, you know, depends. No, that happens more around 70. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no. So my sister, uh, who lives in Florida and her family drove up last weekend to surprise me. Uh, now I knew something was going on because Amanda had, again, I said she had group, she had group and was very, very explicit on like, what are your plans after I get out of group? I'm like, I don't know. I was going to, cause my mom's out of town. I'm like, at some point I got to go over and water her plants and stuff like that. And she's like, well, don't make plans. I want to hang out with you after group. And I'm like, something's up uh-huh. because like group lets out around eight and she goes to bed. All right. It lets out around six and she goes to bed at eight. So it's like, normally she's like, are you going to be in town? You're welcome to come over, but I'm not going to do anything. So I'm like, all right, something, something's up. Then I went over to, uh, to water the plants at my mom's place. Um, in there. And all of a sudden I hear the washing machine start going like the clothes washer. I was like, what the, and I walk into the kitchen I see the decorations <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. So I texted Amanda. I'm like, Hey, somebody has been over at my mom's place. Cause they left the door, the, you know, deadbolt unlocked and there was a lamp on. And then like a few minutes later, I got a call from my sister. She was like, Hey, where are you? I was like, I'm at home. She's like, all right, well, we're coming to pick you up. We're going to take you out to lunch. Surprise. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it was fun. Uh, we went to lunch. Then we went to strike and spare for bowling, skating, bumper cars. We were going to do laser tag, but the line was just way too long. So many teenagers there. But uh, my nieces afterward said that was the best birthday party ever. Um, you know, they're like, it, it wasn't even one of ours or even for a kid. It was for an adult and it was the best birthday party ever. I'm like, yeah, I'm just a big kid. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's not going to be any debate on that. <laughs> so guys, similar to my fundraising, we want to thank all of our patrons. Will and I were talking about it uh, before we recorded. I was showing him sort of our finances for the podcast and we have almost reached the point where the podcast is able to pay for itself. So like up until now, Will and I have been financing everything. This is sort of a, been our hobby, our passion. And we, uh, we have reached the point between you guys donations, which is the bulk of it. And then, you know, help from Lucas through advertising that the podcast is almost at the point of being able to pay for itself. Like we, in the next few months, we will probably reach that point where it is fully self sustained and that is just amazing yeah it's nice to be default alive mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's yeah it's usually yeah, where, good. where the the money that will and i put in don't go toward like keeping the podcast going but go toward like improvements and new things and better things that we can offer and so that's just yeah it's an exciting time and we want to thank you for those of you who are supporting and thank you for our listeners because like you guys make it possible for us to get sponsors like Lucas speaking of whom. Yeah. Finances are probably on your mind these days. If not, they are about to be. Um, (laughs) Lucas Casares is a fee only certified financial planner. He owns and runs level up financial planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at CDP, his focus is on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but to be able to actually take action on that plan so that you can live your best life. Right. So 
one of the really cool things about Lucas is he is a fiduciary for his clients. And that means that he's not trying to sell you a product. And the level up has like it can be expensive working with a financial planner. And so he has a very cool pricing model that works with you where you are and helps you build up. There's also a lot more uh, free resources and stuff to learn at levelupfinancialplanning.com. So guys, if you aren't broke and are reasonably comfortable, which is very possible with a software development job, then it's easy to stop paying careful attention to your finances. However, many people in the industry find that not only are their finances tight, but they're having trouble saving for larger goals like retirement. And they often find that they're just a paycheck away from major financial problems. If anything, this last year should have taught a lot of us to seek more financial resilience in our lives and to be better prepared than we were going into 2020. Yeah, but even the preparation is a bit of a struggle. Financial considerations are not fun to think about for most people, at least normal people. (laughs) even though it is absolutely critical. Further, the amount of information out there about finances is often so extensive and complex that you'll often struggle to figure out what to do next, even if you're otherwise sufficiently motivated. You might also find that your long-term financial goals will conflict with your short-term desires or even your living requirements. Financial issues can also highlight very uncomfortable situations in your personal life such as a major difference in worldview between yourself and your spouse. However, you still need to deal with this stuff or you risk it becoming a problem at an inconvenient time. In this episode, we're going to discuss some of the things that you need to be handling with regards to your finances. These are not advanced financial strategies. Instead, they're a suitable baseline to get started so that you can pursue more advanced strategies as needed. Before we get started on the episode, I do want to talk a little bit about my background because it's sort of put into perspective some of the stories I'm going to tell throughout and the examples that I'm going to use throughout this episode. So 11 years ago now, a little less than 11 years ago, I was a student pre-med, got into medical school, had a full-time job. You know, Students don't make a lot of money. I was a uh, EMT and counselor and, you know, you know, a good 12 to $15 an hour job kind of thing, but not making a whole lot of money because that wasn't like I was doing this job to pay for living expenses while I was in school with the, the goal of, Hey, I'm going to get out of school and get a, a higher paying job and start focusing on that. Then I went to med school, met a girl who had a trust fund, got married yeah, I, I was living, living, quote unquote, the dream. Funny how I was kind of miserable during that whole time. But, you know, I had everything I wanted. You know, I wanted a motorcycle. So we just went out and bought a motorcycle. I wanted a truck. So we sold my car and bought a truck, you know? Yeah, that kind of stuff. And yeah, she was very financially responsible, which is why we had the money to do those sorts of things. But still, it was, you know... She was paying for med school out of pocket and paying for all of our expenditures. And, you know, we went on some mission trips where we just paid for it out of pocket. We didn't have to fundraise for it and that kind of stuff. So then I went through the divorce, which was a hit to my, uh, my access to money. It wasn't even my money. And then left school and had nothing. Yeah. And even to the point where some of my, private loans I'd taken out during grad school. Like my address had been down there. Like my permanent address had been her, her dad and it was still going there and they didn't forward my mail to me. And so like, I missed some bills, which hurt my credit. Like I came out of that, like with no money, you know, I had my truck and my bike and that was about it. I remember I went and sold a bunch of books and DVDs to buy a laptop, a cheap laptop, so that I could learn coding on it. We yeah. used to call it the crap top. And man, <laughs> it was. <laughs> you know, we, we recorded our first 
year or so of episodes on it. And yeah, it was cussed at it every time we had to use it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To building myself back up, you know, bringing up my credit score to, you know, a decent, good score, you know, hitting. I just recently hit a financial goal and it's one we're about to talk about. I just hit my emergency fund. Nice. So, yeah. So the first thing that that we have for you, like the first strategy kind of to set your baseline is to build an emergency fund. Yeah, you should have an emergency fund of three to 12 months worth of living expenses. And this should be your number one priority. Um, you know, once you're meeting your regular living expenses, not only does this fund make it easier to deal with surprise expenses, but it can really improve your confidence in a lot of situations. I worked for a company here in Nashville and I got fired for insubordination. This company three years later was raided by the FBI. Uh, The owners were brought up on charges of wire fraud, insurance fraud, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, It was pretty bad. And the reason I got fired for insubordination was that I would not do something that was illegal. And it wasn't just like illegal. It was also like pants on head stupid on top of being illegal. You know, it was like, this is, if this was legal. It would just be a dumb idea. It's like, like hitting yourself in the face with a shovel is perfectly legal, but it's not smart. This was kind of one of those things. Well, it was also Um, morally questionable. Yeah. It was not even at all questionable. It was just, yeah, you're basically saving time by risking identity theft for a large number of people. Yeah. And so I was able to stand up to him and go, no, I'm not going to do that. And yeah, I got canned, but I didn't lose my house. Now, if I'd been in a situation, you know, where, oh, you've got a, you've got a kid at home, your wife, you know, is between jobs or doesn't bring in enough money to pay the bills and you're living hand to mouth. When somebody puts that pressure on you, uh, it's a lot easier to make you crack if you don't have savings. Yeah. So basically what, what you're saying is an emergency fund makes it possible to take some risks or to be firm in what you know is right that otherwise might not be possible. It also makes it easier to absorb some surprise expenses, such as cars breaking down, getting stolen, uh, getting stolen. Yeah, that happened to me. I I was starting when I I had just started my emergency fund. When you had an emergency, like, yeah, I was I was going to build up about three months of an emergency fund, and then I was going to save up for a laptop. And I ended up my truck got stolen, and so there went the emergency fund. And we had to use the crap top for so much longer. Yeah. I mean, you you get hit with that or sudden tax bills. It's it's very easy to get that stuff screwed up and to not realize it until all of a sudden, oh, you owe $5,000 and you got to come up with it in two weeks. That's extremely stressful even if you do have the money. Uh, but it's way worse when you don't. If you're single and willing to cut expenses to the bone, you can get by with a smaller emergency fund. That's sort of what, where I started. Yeah. Was, Hey, you know, like I, I looked at my, what, what is the bare minimum? Like not going out, not eating out, like nothing bare minimum I can live on. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get to three months of that. And that's going to be, that's just going to sit there and then I'll work on other stuff. And yeah, that was my first emergency fund was that bare minimum. Yeah. But, you know, once you have, you know, a kid or a spouse or you're old enough where you got some medical stuff going on, you know, like when you're younger, you shouldn't do this, but you can, you could possibly float by and not get insurance, you know, for medical stuff. When you're past 30, that's not a real good idea at all. And when you're past 40, it's a really dumb idea. So, so basically like you, you have to adjust this based on your risk tolerance and based off of your situation, because what you don't want to do is build up a year's worth of emergency fund, but you didn't pay your credit card bill or you just paid the minimum and you're actually further in the hole than you were before. So now that you're saving up for your emergency fund, because that is, that is very important. And I just got to the point where like the financial goal I just reached was a more extensive emergency fund where it's not bare necessities. Yeah. Like I can do it. It's a little more than double what the bare necessities was, but like I can do six months of bare necessities kind of thing. Um, and then I just, 
I, I increase that to, to where I'm like, all right, now I can, I can live comfortably for six months if I had to. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, you know, it, it shouldn't take you six months to find a job, but if it does, it'd be nice to have, you know, it's nice to have that. Yeah. I mean, the other, the other reason they say to put that much in an emergency fund is not because it's going to take you six months to find a job, but because it's going to be July and your air conditioning unit's going to break or, you know, something else will happen. You have to move or, you know, maybe to take advantage of an opportunity. It's like, Hey, I got fired, but here's this other job that pays, you know, 50 K a year more, but I've got to move to do that. Well, if I don't have cash in the bank, I'm going to have to take out a loan to, to get a moving truck and it's going to make everything more difficult. So if you have that, you know, it, it gives you options. That's true. That's true. So now that you know the importance of that and you're, you're going to be saving up for your emergency fund, you need to be tracking and analyzing your expenses. Yeah. Really tracking your expenses, even very, very lightly tracking them uh, is one of the best things you can do for your finances. Uh, not only does it help you identify your actual spending habits, you know, versus what you think that you're spending, but it can also help you detect issues like fraud mm-hmm. or like GoDaddy to sudden, suddenly deciding that they want to charge you for, you know, five years worth of domain renewals because they changed the flags and decided to just burn you right before Christmas like they did to me this last yeah. year. The other thing with it is, and this is what happened to me when I started really diving into it. Um, being aware of how you spend money a lot of times will change your spending habits for the better. So, and I, I did the behavioral psychologist way of, of looking at it where you observe the behavior and then you come up with a plan for it. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to observe my behavior. So I just started tracking and, you know, Amanda told me about, uh, cause I was trying to do it with spreadsheets and she told me about this, uh, app. Uh, it's a Dave Ramsey app, every dollar. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really good because it it helps you track stuff and you the idea is you should be able to track every dollar that you have. So you put in your income and then you budget out for the month. And so like every every dollar is accounted for in that budget. You know, if you have like I have a misc miscellaneous for like oh hey, I you know need to do this or that, like, you know, just random stuff that comes up or I'll see something on Amazon like, Oh, Hey, I need a new tuner for my guitar. I'll just, you know, that'll go in the miscellaneous right category for me. But yeah. And I just throw what kind of the leftover once I've budgeted everything else, the leftover goes into there. But uh, the thing is when I first started, what I did was I just tracked it and I'm like, how am I spending my money? And that helped me to see where to put stuff. But also I'm like, man, I'm spending a lot of money on going out to eat and, you know, I can, I don't need to go out to eat that much. Yeah. That was a realization that I've had more than once. Um, Honestly, I had it about mid year last year because I was kind of looking at expenses and I'm like, you know, if I just ate at home and I can still get decent stuff, you know, like from Costco, get like the little chicken tikka masala or whatever and heat it up at home. I would save enough money to buy a brand new tablet within a month. Yeah. And when you start looking at that, you know, cause you go out to eat and it's, you know, 15, 20 bucks and I can eat right. for three or four here. And so yeah. it doesn't take long at all. And it, it's, it's really shocking the amount of difference. The other thing is, is um, if you start analyzing your expenses, it's not just about reducing those expenses. It's about the value you get from those expenses. You know, there might be something better that you want to do with the money. You know, I mean, like I looked at, at how much I was spending at Hardee's and I'm like, that does not bring me joy eating at Hardee's, right? Yeah. Like the amount you spend there, like I could probably just eat a sandwich at home and there's no, there's no emotional loss here. Yeah. No, I have a, a coworker, you know him, but to, I think I've told the story on him before, but when we went to remote work uh, a couple of years ago, he went out to eat. He never brought his lunch. He made fun of us who brought our lunches. Like I'd go out once a week, but I'd bring my lunch because I was saving money. Yeah. And he made fun of us. And then suddenly he's at home. And I guess it was about two weeks into it. He's like, oh my goodness, I'm saving so much money not going out to eat every day. He's like, in a couple of months, I'll be able to buy a whole new gaming 
PC. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's what I was trying to tell you before. (laughs) Understand that, you know, probably every quarter you ate a gaming PC. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's pretty horrible. It ends up like, like we said, and you know, this kind of leads into the next point, right? Uh, Is breaking down and prioritizing your debts as well, because this is where, you know, money is going to go into this. Uh, And most people at least have some, you know, a mortgage at the very least. Student student loans these days. Yeah. Car payment, credit card. A lot of times while interest rates are low, debt is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. And it can also often be kind of useful from like a leverage perspective. If you approach it correctly and it's a debt that, you know, that buys something that produces value. Uh, debt to go to, you know, Hardee's or whatever is not one of those things. Uh, but, you know, debt that's like, okay, I'm I'm buying a computer, you know, and putting it on the card, which you probably still shouldn't do. Uh, maybe that's not a good example. But, you know, buying tools that you're going to use for your job using a low interest loan, that can be fairly reasonable. Now, you really do need to prioritize getting rid of your debt especially if that debt isn't particularly useful for your long-term goals. You know, credit card debt is the the big thing, the the rotating debt there. It's not often useful and it can really improve your life when you get rid of it because of it's got such a high interest rate. I know I have a couple of credit cards uh, and I know Will has at least one, but we both pay them off. Yeah. Yeah we both pay them off at the end of the month. Now, when I was younger, you know, I made the mistake and I, I learned my lesson and you know, I pay, I pay mine off every month. The reason that I got a credit card was so that I could get the rewards points. Yeah. Same here. Uh, you know, I, I periodically will, yeah. And I put all my expenses on it, right. Including yeah, like that's what the, I do. replacing the air conditioning unit. You know, like the yeah. three payments, like it, I hit that with a credit card. And so that gets me the the points that I can then you know, use. They're handy around Christmas, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that stuff really, uh, it, it piles up. And a lot of times it's just not useful what you're spending the money on. Now, debt prioritization is important because it lets you figure out which debts you should get rid of most quickly um, so that you can roll any extra cash into paying it off. Now, you know, you mentioned Dave Ramsey earlier. If you listen to his show, his thing is, is the smallest debt. You roll that up so that you get it out of the way and it kind of snowballs. Mathematically, that is not the most effective way to do that. You want to get the one that has the highest interest rate, but there's a reason he does that. And the reason he does that is because you kind of get a little bit of a dopamine hit for getting rid of a debt and it encourages you to get rid of more. So there's things that are mathematically good that are not necessarily psychologically the best choice. Yeah. So like the the if you're a math geek and you're more into the hey, I'm gonna get the the high interest knocked off first and you can keep like you're okay with that and you don't need that dopamine hit, that's fine. But I would say for the majority of us, even me who is a bit of a math geek, I still like that I got this one paid off. Now I'm gonna roll on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, like, unless you're just super excited when you open up the formula field in Excel, it's probably not you. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay because you're normal and you're, you know, not an accountant. Honestly, the people who who this wouldn't bother probably don't don't have a lot of debt anyway. Of debt. Yeah, <laughs> they figure out some other way to finance things or yeah, you know, do without or get it cheaper because they're pinching pennies, you know, no. so hard they make a Lincoln burp anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, also on this, don't forget that some debt can be discharged in other ways. There, there are ways to get debt forgiveness or better terms for paying off debts. Uh, you can, I know with housing, you can refinance and stuff, but there's even for smaller debts, there's other ways to look at, uh, to go about it. Look into this as it could potentially save you a lot of money, time and frustration. Now I will say from personal experience, <laughs> there are tax consequences for getting debt forgiveness and they don't tell you this. Yeah. So it's like an idiocracy upgrade. Gonna get his money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. 
No, it's uh, it's frustrating. It happened to me 2017 and 2018. I had two private student loans, which I'm just going to say this right now. Do not take out private student loans. I don't know if it's possible these days. It was 10, 15 years ago when I did it, um, when I was young and stupid. Uh, now I'm just old and stupid. <laughs> just kidding. But no, don't ever do that, guys. That is one of the worst decisions I ever made. But I, I worked out a plan with them after I, I left med school and I was no longer in school and I didn't have a job. And so I worked out a payment plan and they were going to like, all right, once you pay off this much of the debt, we'll forgive the rest kind of thing. And so I worked that out, spent several years paying on it, got it paid off, got one paid off uh, toward the end of 2017 and the other one paid off right at the beginning of 2016. Uh, 2018 or, you know, I think it was like, I think I thought it was going to go until May and it was paid off in March. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Cause we went out and celebrated. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, Hey, I paid off my debts. I was like, Hey, I thought that was in May. And you're, yeah. you're like, so did I Let's celebrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is why it's important to track these things. <laughs> so you know when the party is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. What happened is all that amount that got forgiven, the government counts that or thinks of that as income because you were given, forgiven, you were given that amount of money. And so you have to pay taxes on it. Even though you don't have it. And that's why you're in that situation. Yeah. It's like, thank you for kicking me while I was down. Yay, government. Sorry. No, it's not super anti-government. Just a little. I'm anti-taxes, maybe. I don't know. I'm anti-government. It's fine. (laughs) let's let's we'll we'll stay off the politics but yeah it and so i didn't know this when i did my taxes like it would have been a complete different story if i had known this doing my taxes and i you know could have planned for it or you know whatnot so i didn't know about it and last year i get a letter from the irs telling me that i owed them all several thousand dollars for my 2017 for like first 2017 and I was like, oh, no, I talked to a friend who like does that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, nope, this is legit, man. He's like, don't fight it because it's the government. They can throw you in jail. Just pay it and, you know, be be thankful that, you know, they're not going to throw you in jail for it because yeah. it was a, for an oopsie. I'm like, all right, cool. So that happened. And then the week before Christmas this past year, I got another letter from them for 2018. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was the same mistake, just two years apart. And so now I owe even more to them. And I'm like, this is just, this is ridiculous. And had I known that from the beginning, like had I known that when I did it, I could have like put it on my taxes. It would have been part of the whole thing. But yeah, it was a mess. Uh, Yeah. And the penalties get you and, and the surprise is what really hurts. Oh, yes. Because you're just not prepared for it, especially if you don't have an emergency fund. That's why you do that. Another thing you need to be doing is you need to get a credit report or, you know, find out your credit score and start coming up with a strategy to improve it. While you may think that you have a good idea of your actual financial situation, it's really easy to miss things such as fraud, uh, debts that you thought you'd paid off or that you didn't know that you still had for some reason. Um, you know, incorrect credit report entries. Uh, this happens more often than we would like to admit. You know, somebody takes your credit information and they open an account and it's not you and they run up a bill and then all of a sudden you get a bill for it or somebody screws up. So there's another uh, Gamp family close to where I grew up that is no relation whatsoever. And there was a guy in that family that, you know, took out a you know major loan and we started getting the paperwork for it. Or my parents did. And I remember this back in the nineties and it was just a mistake. You know, it was all straightened out there, you know, good people and all this, but it, the, the company made a mistake and said, Oh yeah, it's that, it's that William Gant. Even though that was like, I think his name is Willie. You know, it's not, it's not the same, <laughs> like we're not related at all. And, and this happens. So you, you, you want to get a credit report so that you can actually kind of audit what the banks think they know about you. Yeah. Oh, hey, that that happened to me. Not that situation. I was going to say, Willie got you too? <laughs> yeah, Willie got me too. No. Well, let's let's go into the next 
on here and and I'll I'll talk about it there because getting a credit report can also be useful for figuring out what you need to correct. You know, like a history of late payments, it would be advisable to sort that out uh, or missed payments because you didn't know you had something due. That that happened to me where my paperwork was going to my ex's father. Yeah, or a previous and, residence or yeah. your neighbor. Or it gets stuffed in between junk mail for the previous occupant of your house and you don't see it and you throw it out. That happens to me here a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that happens and like months go by with no payment and then it starts like dinging your credit. Uh, When I started getting myself back together, you know, I had a pretty low credit score because of that. And strangely, like not strangely, but divorce danger credit. And then, you know, I guess being married to, you know, someone who has a trust fund bumps your credit up. So <laughs> yeah. And so when that's severed, it just kind of <laughs> falls yeah, to the yeah. floor. And so, it, it makes things expensive, doesn't it? Yeah. So I, I started like, um, I got a credit karma account and, uh, started just tracking my credit on there and using that to, to see what, you know, what was going on and what I needed to work on. And now I've, you know, I've gotten my credit back up into the good range, you know, like I, I think we celebrated that too. We, we yeah. celebrated a lot. <laughs> Realistically, it was like, Hey, it's Tuesday. Hey, let's get chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of celebrations, celebrations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but no, no, I think, I think we did go out. Uh, I think I called you up cause I like, I, I told my mom and will about it. And I'm like, dude, we we got to go out and celebrate. I I got you know got my credit score up into the good range. Um, I know that's like that's like something like what somebody on a credit card company commercial would do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do remember doing that. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I do remember, as well as far as the you know the credit score, if you're not monitoring it, I worked for a company that did fraud cleanup and you know a lot of that kind of stuff, and they had a client there who had uh, her her information had been stolen in a breach and it was being used by illegal immigrants for various things and she had like 70 people using her information and so like it was so bad she had to get a new social security number wow which they almost never do yeah but the government was like yeah you probably yeah let's just fix this and she did not know until she tried to take out a loan for a house. It's like, wow. oh, you know, you're you're pregnant, you're buying a bigger house so that there's a place for the baby, and all of a sudden you find out that you basically can't buy a pack of gum with cash because your your credit is bad. Wow. It's a bad spot to be in. Yeah. So all I all I had was, and I, I caught this because I was using the app, but uh, they um, apparently uh, I had looked at switching phone carriers and they did an illegal credit check. Yeah. Like they didn't like, I never signed off on it or anything like that. And it was a hard hit to my credit. It didn't ding me that bad, but it showed up. I'm like, why, why do I have an, ex- like, why is there an extra one on here? Cause those last for several years. I'm like, that's and I looked at it and I'm like, no, I never approved that. And I like went through the the stuff and had it removed, but yeah. I will say this uh, last thing about uh, credit reporting. The the credit reporting agencies, like the ones that you get, they do soft checks and those tend to be a few points higher than like Equifax and the, the whatever the companies that do the hard checks. So like if you're going to get a loan and stuff, like if you check your stuff on credit karma, it's going to be a few points harm higher than what it is when it comes back from a hard hit. So another thing you need to be doing is you need to actually start getting a budget together and actually look for ways to control and decrease your expenses. And with the information that we talked about before, you, you kind of need to be starting to break out your expenses and budgeting um, a little bit better. Like the better you can do at this, the easier it is to get to your financial goals because you're not wasting money. You know, this doesn't have to be a detailed budget with charts and graphs, you know, rough breakdown on a napkin can be enough to get a general idea in your head. You know, if uh, like my bank account 
does a, ba- a breakdown of my expenditures. And it's yeah. like, oh, hey, you spent so much on groceries. You spent so much on, you know, like at restaurants or, you know, businesses that are classified as restaurants and that sort of stuff. And that just that can give you a decent idea. The app I was talking about earlier, uh, every dollar is really useful because you you can create that budget and it's nice because you can go in and adjust it, um, especially as you're figuring that out. Or, you know, if your income changes, you can change it um, to, to match that. Thing is, as you start to realize what you're spending money on, you'll often find that you're spending a lot more on certain activities than you actually thought you were spending. Uh, this happened to Will and I both on, you know, going out to eat. That's sort of the whole point of this exercise. Budgets don't have to be about depriving yourself. Uh, sometimes just knowing that you overspend in areas can be enough to change your behavior. Uh, you know, on that point, I remember our friend Guy back right after uh, we graduated from college. Like, it was about a year after when I met him. But uh, he and I were like, I, I was talking to him about uh, my budget and stuff. And I was like, I was actually complaining because my mother had been like pestering me about like, Oh, you should, you shouldn't be spending money on this or that. You know how moms tend to overreach, especially, you know, with their oldest who's still in school. And I was complaining to him about it. And he's like, yeah, you and your mom don't really see eye to eye on things. He's like, you can budget. Cause I said, I'm like, I just can't, I can't have a budget because I'm just like, it's not in my personality to, to be strict like that. He's like, no, you can do it. He's like, you just have to give yourself a little bit of like mad money or just like, it's the miscellaneous that I have just that, oh, hey, I want to go buy this book. Or, you know, you see something at Walmart, you're like, you know what? I'm going to grab that. Like just that little extra bit in the budget for that. He's like, you can plan for that and still have a good budget. Yeah. You just got to control it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I mean, as far as the change of behavior, you know, like I realized you know, going out to eat a lot of times really was not, you know, making anything any better for me. Yeah. Um, in a previous job, it was because I, you know, didn't overly like the office environment and I just wanted to get out of there for an hour or so. And once you start kind of looking at this stuff, you're like, okay, how much money am I actually spending to have to go into the office because of, of what it costs? You should still try to make a list of ways to decrease your expenses, even if you don't actually act on it. And keep the list because it can be super helpful when you get downsized because you can immediately shut off those expenses. Yeah. And, you know, like instead of going, oh, a month from now when I still haven't found a job and I've spent like crazy and I've burned through a lot of my runway. Instead of doing that, it's like, hey, I'm going to shut it down and I'm going to completely focus on the new on getting a new job and, you know, getting back to recovery. That makes that a lot easier and also makes it where you can kind of stretch the amount of time it takes to find a new job if you need to do that. Also, you know, you want to do this when you're not stressed out, like when you're comfortable in your job and relaxed because that reduces the amount of mistakes you make. And also helps you you realize you like you're like, "All right. Yeah. You know, I like when you're relaxed, you're like, "Yeah, I can I can get by without the really expensive cable TV package." That's exactly but when you're what I was thinking, when you're really stressed, you're like, I I need my HBO because that's the only thing that like is keeping me from going crazy right now, you know. Right. You should also start to re-examine or actually start a retirement plan of some sort. Most of us do not plan to die at our desks um, of old age while we're working. Retirement is the socially acceptable way to avoid. <laughs> that um <laughs> these so not socially acceptable ways to avoid that uh dying at your boss's desk where he has to move you i don't know you one last that, time man. how about that um <laughs> but to retire you have to have enough money to be able to cover your daily expenses when you can't work anymore for years the earlier you start your retirement plan the better off you are you know, interest compounds and starting early means that the interest works for you. It also gives you more time to adjust to market conditions, which are volatile in the best of times. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
And I, when I was working at the hospital, I wasn't making a lot of money, but I still had a little, like, they had a retirement fund and I started working on that then. Didn't do much while I was in school because I wasn't making any money. And then now I've got a pretty decent plan set up. With me, it's with a lot of people, it is kind of job dependent. But in our field, we do tend to hop jobs a lot. So this might be something that you want to kind of take on for yourself. It's not like my mom who stayed with the same hospital for her entire career and like just, you know, paid into the same retirement fund that entire time. Right. And the other thing, when you when you job hop, it's entirely possible that you've got retirement money sitting out in some account somewhere and you're not managing it because you forgot about it. Yeah, that happened to me. Um, I forgot about my retirement fund from the hospital. Yeah. And then I got a letter from them and I'm like, oh, I have like all this money sitting here that, you know, I mean, I can't access it. Uh, well, I could, but I can't you know, take taxes and stuff. But I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it. But you could roll that into what you've got. I mean, like there's a lot of options you have for it. Yeah. The other thing about retirement planning is that it is going to force conversations about how you would like to live when you're too old to still work. Uh, These conversations are really valuable to have with your significant other, um, especially because you might not really understand what the other person wants until you discuss it. So for instance, you may go, okay, well, when I retire, I can move to a small town, lower cost of living, you know, maybe, you know, one of these rust belt towns that's kind of quaint and has a nice winter and your spouse is like, no, we can move to the Bahamas. Those are two very different things. And if you're not looking at your retirement plans, you might not ever have that conversation until somebody's mad. Yeah. But the thing is, you might not be able to contribute much to your retirement account starting out, but the important part is getting into the habit and avoiding lifestyle inflation. Uh, actually, just like every year, we get a little bit of a an increase. We didn't actually get one this year, but I went ahead and did my normal yearly increase on what I put in. You know, so I'm actually I'm actually getting my take home is a little bit less than it was last year. Yeah, but because I budget things out, I'm able to just sort of absorb that because it's it's going into my retirement. The other thing is, if you start younger, you're able to be a you know, be a bit more aggressive. Like, you know, it's going into a fund and they can they can be a bit more aggressive about it when you're younger because you've got a little bit more lee. Like my mom, who just recently retired, she was talking to to her advisor um who manages her retirement account. And she was like, Yeah, I don't like I'm living off this money now. So I don't want it like I want it to be stable. Not a lot of changes, maybe slowly increase a little bit, but yeah, you know, low, very low risk funds. But when you're younger, you can throw it into high risk, high reward funds and like move that, move the needle quicker, but you know, at higher risk. And if you yeah, do lose stuff, it's not going to like be detrimental. Yeah. And the other thing too is it can, you can hold it for longer. Yeah. Right? Like that's the big thing when stuff swings a lot, you know, if it, if you retire and your retirement fund suddenly drops, you know, loses two thirds of its value because it's a dot com crash. That's vastly different than, okay, you know, you had that in your account when you were 20 and it, it fell through the floor and then came back up afterward. You know, it, it's, it's just a different um, situation. Another thing you need to be doing is, actually looking for ways to increase your income. I know Beach and I both do this uh, pretty much all the time because <laughs> uh, we have that conversation quite a bit is like, how do I, how do I increase the amount of money I'm bringing in? Um, it is good to try and reduce expenses and save money for the future and get control of your finances. But inflation will start to really hurt your finances if you don't increase your income. Also, if you're like most people, you know, your expenses are going to increase over the years, regardless of how careful you are about your expenses. You know, uh, inflation, the price of things goes up and life events are likely to increase your expenses. Uh, Marriage, birth of kids, kids going to college, medical expenses that come up, those sorts of things. Yeah, any increase in your income can be used to help 
pay down your expenses or to save for larger goals, such as, you know, starting a business, buying a house, et cetera. So if you can get more money in, it shortens the amount of time it will take you to reach a longer term goal. And by the way, that goal may be something that also raises your income. Yeah. You know, this might be something as simple as changing jobs or even asking for a raise. Um, but it can include things like uh, picking up some contract work, like Will is talking about building a product or even learning new skills that you suspect will be marketable in the future. Um, I'm kind of doing this a little bit with a hobby of mine. Yeah, I got, I enjoy playing the guitar, but a friend of mine is going to give me some kind of old broken guitars to, uh, to learn. I've bought some classes from on Udemy about how to repair guitars. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so like, you know, I'm nowhere near that level yet, but I know people who charge 65 an hour yeah. for guitar repair. And I'm like, you know, if I get up to a level where I can start charging, you know, I'm, this is, it's not something I probably want to do on a daily basis, but you know, every now and then like as a little side thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, or you might suddenly fall in love with doing that. <laughs> That's know? true. And you're in Music City, so it's not a bad place <laughs> to have that as a, you know, I mean, because really you're you're selling shovels for the gold miners. Yeah. I mean, like, not quite literally, but like strongly metaphorically. <laughs> I don't know how to put that. So another thing you want to do is look for gaps in your insurance and deal with them. The first of the year is a really good time. I mean, it's a little into the year at this point, um, but it's a good time to review your insurance policies and make sure that you're still covered if anything has changed. A lot of times, open enrollment typically is October, November timeframe with the the new insurance policies taking effect in January. So, you know, a couple of months in, you've kind of gotten past the beginning of the year stuff. This is a good time to look at, hey, yeah, you looked at it when you enrolled, but go over it again and go, hey, am I covered by everything? Yeah. And by the way, this may be a reason to change jobs, too. If, you, if you're like, hey, my work insurance is crappy, you know by now. Um, but yeah, you, you want to be um, you know, kind of aware that as stuff changes in your life, a lot of times you know, your insurance company is going to be involved in that anyway. Like if you buy a house, uh, you have a, you know, your, your child is born. Those kind of things, you buy a car they're going to know they're going to be in the middle. Um, But sometimes there's stuff that changes that doesn't show up on here. So for instance, if you start driving for Uber, right, you now have a liability on your vehicle that you didn't have before potentially. And so you need to make sure your insurance covers it, that kind of stuff. Just be watching uh, for those sort of things. It's also a really good time to start looking for a better deal on insurance. Um, Regulations are always changing. Your life is always changing. And insurance companies, a lot of times, don't change policies very much in a way that benefits their clients over time, to put it mildly. And so what was a good deal two years ago may be a really, really crappy deal now. And so you may want to be looking at that. Yeah. So there are a few areas you consider when looking at insurance. Like You need health insurance. You're required by law to have it and vehicle insurance, homeowners or renters insurance. Even if you're not required by the place you're living in to have renters insurance, I highly, as a renter, suggest having it. Um, and you should probably also look into life insurance. Now, this is also a good time to make sure that you have contact and policy information for your various policies uh, that you have in place. Uh, for instance, you should keep your health and vehicle insurance in your wallet or purse. Actually, uh, I have it with me and on my phone. Yeah. Cause there's times I forget my wallet, but I remember my phone. Yeah. You'll never forget your phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, your homeowner's renter's insurance information can be kept, you know, at your residence and an offsite location uh, in case you have like a fire or something like I leave mine in a firebox at my mom's place and she leaves hers in a box at my place, you know, kind of like that. It's good to have a disaster buddy for those kind of things. But, you know, it's weird how much software developers will think about backups and not handle these kind of things. So it's, it's really important. And the digital is also a very good idea. So the next one is to define and redefine your long-term financial goals. 
Yeah, busy adults tend to stop reconsidering their long-term goals, especially when life gets busy. And frankly, your life goals at 25 are probably not the same as your life goals at 45. Or if they are, they might have changed at 35 and changed back. Yeah. Whatever they are, you need to periodically re-examine your long-term goals. Uh, We talk about this in our goal-setting stuff at the beginning of every year, really. But this is very important. like to to periodically examine long-term goals, including your financial goals. Um, if your goals haven't changed, now's a really good time to evaluate your progress toward them. Yeah, look and see if you've actually made progress or worse, if you've backslid. After last year, especially, there's a good chance that you had some difficulties in achieving your major goals or you changed them or you sat there and you said, hey, I can do this this year because all of a sudden I have all this free time. Because I have no life. Yeah. Now, whether you've moved forward on your financial goals or not, now's the time to adjust your financial plan or actually make some. And we know a guy that can help you with that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's early in the episode about the eight minute mark. Yeah. Uh, And also, if you find that your goals seem unachievable, this means that you need to decide whether you're going to do what's required to make the goal happen whether you want to drop it or whether you want to modify the way that you're going to try to achieve it. Don't be too quick to give up on your dreams, but be careful that you don't waste time going for goals that you just can't do. Uh, for instance, I wanted to write fiction when I was younger and you know, try to make a living that way. You know, get out of tech and do that. Like that's not happening. Yeah. Like it's just mathematically impossible. Now I could, you know, do tech and get to a point where I can do that, but I can't do it the other way. So finally, Figure out your bad financial habits and come up with a plan to fix them. Toward the beginning of the year, at least in the first quarter, when a lot of people are considering forming new habits, you really want to look into the things that are causing you to waste money and you know, spend some time brainstorming ways to avoid these bad habits. Yeah. And notice that while there are a lot of obvious ways that you probably are wasting money, the non-obvious ones can often be a lot more expensive. So things like health issues, home and car maintenance that you've put off, like you put off an oil change for long enough, it's a lot more expensive than an oil change. Mm-hmm. You know, career planning failures can cost a ton of money that you'll never see. And sometimes, honestly, the most expensive thing you can do is to not spend money. After you have the money to meet your basic needs, sometimes it's more efficient to pay for someone else to do the lower value tasks so that you can concentrate on things that help you make more money. Yeah. And that's something I've had to learn the hard way over and over again, especially this last year, is I tend to be cheap and it's not helping me. So guys, finances are one of the things that can improve or destroy your quality of life. They're also pretty easy to ignore if you're otherwise comfortable. However, if you don't pay attention to them, financial issues can quickly wreck your plans and ruin your life if you let them. Managed properly, however, your finances can often allow you to achieve your dreams, retire earlier, or even make it possible to live a vastly different life than what you expected. That pretty much wraps us up. Beach, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? So each of us have different areas of our finances where we need work, uh, be it starting out and setting up an emergency fund or planning for retirement. We have different goals and areas of focus. Uh, This is also the case when it comes to other areas of our life. I recently had a heated debate with one of the other tech leads at church. Now, we both have very strong opinions and are very passionate about what we do. However, we come from different perspectives. Uh, She has a background in database structure and security, whereas my career has me doing a lot of research and development to find new ways of doing things. Uh, Her focus is more on stability, whereas mine is on innovation and exploration. You know, break it and figure out what went wrong and fix that kind of thing. Uh, This leads to some very differing opinions on things. But when we work together, I'm able to find new ways or new techniques, and then she's able to take those and make them viable for the long term. Make a great team Um, working together uh, at church. Uh, I say all of that to show that even though we come at the world from different viewpoints, we're able to work together. It can be very frustrating at times, especially if you don't recognize the value of the other person's role uh, on the team. And so as a limit pusher, 
I get really frustrated with those who don't want to try new things. On the other hand, those who are focused on stability are extremely annoyed by my ever-present excitement about the brand new thing that I just discovered and how much I can't wait to try it out. And what I'm getting at here is that a little bit of mutual respect goes a very long way to maintaining those relationships, whether they be at work, volunteering, or in our friendships. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.